The unmissable Australian Cup Carnival concludes February 25 at the Meadows. It's the final night highlighting the $458,500 Group 1 Australian Cup plus Group 1 Fanta Bale Super Stayer. Gates open at 6pm with free entry and car parking. Tickets at themeadows.org.au. This is The Ramble with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. Welcome everyone to our first ever podcast, uh, the old wispy Tim Watson and my good self, um, just getting together because we don't see enough of each other now through the week, so we thought we'd sit down and work our way through some of the issues that perhaps we couldn't dedicate enough time to in our other lives. Uh, okay, Whispers. Good morning, Gary. Uh, oh, good morning, Gary. What am I saying? Good morning, Gary. Well, I'm, so used to, well, I'm just so used to saying good morning to you, but uh, hi, how are you? No, I'm really well. How are oh, you? You're looking well. No, <laughs> you're looking really well. Um, now, we uh, our first big bushy beard. venture into the podcast territory. Mm. Uh, not many people doing them these days. No? What are we getting? new, what, what exciting, can, What different? can those that tune in expect to hear? Um, I'm a strong advocate for... Oh, under-promising and over-delivering, right? So I've got no idea what we're going to deliver in a podcast. But there are a lot of things that we don't get enough time to flesh out when we're doing radio that we would like to probably venture into. And then there are other interests that we have outside sort of sport that we'd like to probably just mine a little bit deeper as well. I think that's the key is that this will evolve. Um, What the podcast is today will be very different to what it is in maybe four or six weeks. We'll maybe. just work out where it's going and what's sort of... Yeah, and know. occasionally we'll have a guest as well, maybe more than one guest. Maybe. There are a couple of people that we're trying to track out there at the moment, maybe just to have a longer form of conversation with. Because over our time we've established, and yeah, you know, we do a sports program, but we'd, we'd like to talk about other stuff. Lots with, of other Hence things. the ramble, which mm. is um, the first half hour of our program, our radio program. We'd like to sometimes have that go a little longer, but we are committed to covering sports issues. So we're not going to do a lot of sport. Although today I am going to try and nail you down on this whole Essen footy club situation, which has really set again on the 10-year celebration mm. and some of the reporting about that. So I'm going to get to that in a moment. But okay. some of your other loves and interests, wine and food and restaurants and farming and yeah, there's lots of things that you and I talk about and are interested in outside of football, obviously, and holidaying. We've just recently holidayed together, uh, so there's a travel component that may be incorporated at some stage as well. We haven't decided where we'll be holidaying later this year as a as a couple of couples, have we? That was an inadvertent holiday that we shared together in Byron just, Bay. Just for those people that may be a little bit familiar with the story but don't know the detail of it, I called you last year... And I said, if you were going to Byron Bay, where might you stay? And you gave me the name of a place called The Bow, which is no, a great hotel in Byron Bay. Well, hang on. You had already been up there on a holiday. No, we didn't go to no, Byron Bay, though. But you'd been north and you'd gone yeah. to another one of my recommendations. Yes. House so, in House at Cabarita Beach, which is fantastic. That's right. So then you asked for it and I thought, oh, well, he, I'll give it to him because he's already been on holiday. So there's no chance that you know, we could cross paths again. No. So I, I told you where we'd be staying uh, or where we were going to stay. Yep. And then six weeks later, <laughs> two days before I left, you rang up and said, oh, what, what date are you booking into that hotel, by the way? And I said, whatever it was, 10th of December. And yeah. I said, whoopee, because... <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's going to be there when you're there on the same day? Mm. You on the you booked in on the very same. Not day. only that, one hundred percent true, hand on heart. Our rooms were effectively side by side. You had 
booked the very upmarket the barn large as it, the barn as it's known as so which is a separate accommodation we're in the room next to you right next to us right next to you that's it and um every day i go down the pool for a little bit of peace and quiet there you are sitting <laughs> on a sun lounge we paid for our room though by the way so did we well why were you i saw your car parked on the side of the road you're selling melbourne premiership memorabilia <laughs> Out the back of the car. Why were you doing that? There's a beautiful place, wasn't it? How good was it? It was magnificent. So highly recommend if you're going to Byron Bay, that is a great place for you to stay. In fact, Byron you're Bay. You get back from the bow. No, no, nothing at all. That's the thing about this. No, there's no, there's no deals. No, but uh, if one here. came our way. Well, maybe we'd we'd consider it, but um, we're above that for most. I'm not. Well, most of the time we're above <laughs> that. It's a great place to stay. You're about as the crow flies. You're probably about 1.2 kilometres from. The beach, yeah. which is a nice walk down there yeah. to have a bit of a swim. Water goes, you mean? No, it wasn't water goes. It was like Clark's Beach. So yeah. you, if you go straight on that road, yeah. you know, past the general store there, you keep going. You go all the way through there. Yes, I, walk through I know couple, where it is. I walk through a couple of properties okay, and then you're yeah. onto the beach there, right? Or you can Good go spot. the other way, which is a bit of a hike to water yeah. goes. Well, you can. You which can go is up. good for your fitness and no, stuff. No, but that, I'm, I'm just saying how close you are to the water. As the crow flies, you're about 1.2K away from the water in a straight line. What about the pool? The pool is magnificent. The circular pool. Circular pool. It is great. Different. Great. Just going to ask you this question, though, right? Because I had one beef about the place. In the whole time I was there, what? there was one beef. How could beef, you possibly have a beef? And that was, I'm not against kids, as you know. I've got, well, ten, I've got 10 grandkids. So well, I love children. I love noise. I love kids. I love all that sort of stuff. But when you go away on a holiday mm. and you're thinking you're staying at an adult place, and there was a, I don't think you were there at this stage. I think you might have left the joint at this stage. But there was another couple of ladies that arrived with, I think, four or five kids between them, right? Yeah, I did see that, actually. And they started playing Marco Polo in the pool. Yeah. And I didn't feel comfortable at that stage playing. about going into the pool playing Marco Polo. I've forgotten the rules to Marco Polo. <laughs> they didn't leave little, little surprises. So when they were saying Marco, I was up on the lounge hiding in the, <laughs> in the gross saying, Polo. <laughs> They couldn't find me, Gary. <laughs> but they, do, do, uh, a serious question. Do yeah. you think? Do you think you should read the the room under those circumstances as a parent and say, "Well, hang on a minute, kids. I don't think it's a good idea to be playing Marco Polo in this circular pool with all these people that it, may want to be getting in and well, out of the pool." It was, a, it was a reasonably expensive place. That doesn't preclude kids from going though. Just because you forked out big wedge for it doesn't mean that you're going to get a pool free of kids. Oh, I know, but if you're going somewhere like that and you're a parent, you've got to be cognizant of all well, the other people that might be sitting around trying to enjoy the places. What are you going to do? Strap your kid down in the, in the sun lounge? Well, you can say, look, you can have a swim. You can go in there and have a dip, but don't play talk. Marco Polo. Don't do bombs. <laughs> I like to drop a big horsey in there every time. <laughs> anyway, apart from that, it was the great. Restaurant? What was that restaurant we went to? Just so you, you people go up there. Oh, which one? The, the, there was t the two we went we to. We went to the Mor uh, Morris Tazzini one, yeah. which was out at um, up the road there in the Barong Belongal or something. On the Belongal Beach part. Yeah. That was magnificent. Was we had one? a pre dinner drink at uh, Ray's at Wadigo. Which was fantastic because oh, yeah. uh, Ruby and Lucy joined us. I paid for that. Too. And you did. And then we had the other place, which was, had just opened. Yeah. It was nice. It was, paper the, something? Was it paper? The, the beauty of the podcast, of course, is we can cut this out while I Google and try and find the name of the restaurant. Just so if you ever go out the Byron Bay, you can go to this beautiful place. Was it called Paper Trail? Okay. Light or, Years. Light Years, it was called. Yeah. Light Years. Light Years. 
Very nice. Nice. nice How place. would you describe the cuisine? Because we will drift occasionally My word, we into will. food and wine as well. Um, well, it was... Tasting plates we sort of had, didn't we? Eclectic. Yeah. It was a nice, relaxed seating arrangements. You could go booth style. With some, had some beautiful ribs. Remember those beautiful oh, barbecue yeah. ribs? You dived into those. <laughs> you know when there's four people oh, and there's yeah. four ribs in the bowl, actually, that doesn't mean that you can take two. It's a very good point. Sharing, share, share plates, I, I'm all against share plates. Like you for and what, I... For what reason? Because everyone gets, everyone all of a sudden becomes so polite, right? So, But that's okay to be polite. No, of course it is. I encourage politeness. But if you're hungry, mm. you're entitled to go to a restaurant and order whatever you want to satisfy the hunger. Then you sit down with two other people and you go, well, let's, let's order some stuff to share. And you, go, and you can't then go, mm. no. So you go, yeah, good idea. And all of a sudden it comes out and they put the share plates in the middle yeah. and everyone looks at each other. All I want to do is woof down about eight of them. And well, the, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. But all you do is you go, oh, yeah, I have one of those. So you take this tiny little rib out <laughs> and you go, oh, I have that one prawn. And you put that is so true. three That's... things on your plate and then you look at each other mm. and while you're doing something, I went woof, woof, woof. And I'm going, I can eat 12 of those. <laughs> But why, no, did, but why didn't you just order more well, then? No, no, and then there's two prawns left. And no, one. There's yeah, always there's one, only one. Right. And everyone's looking at each other and they go, you have it. And you go, oh, no, I couldn't eat. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't eat another thing. Couldn't I couldn't eat another, another thing. thing. <laughs> I could eat my arm off. <laughs> anyway, what was the name of that joint again? Light Years. Light Years. It's good. It's a good it's restaurant. Good. It is good. There's a lot of good eating places up there. In fact, I, I bumped into a guy that pretty much owns um, Byron Bay while we're up there. I don't think you saw him while we're up there. The, uh, the cat. The cat, yeah. I bumped into the cat. the cat. Do you? Yeah. Do you and the cat know each other well? well way back. What did you see? Does he own rays of what he goes? My word, he does. He I think he owns. A, he owns uh, half of the uh, Byron Bay. Um, well, I think he owned that restaurant. Enclave. Both those restaurants. He owns. A, he owns the. He owns rays. Yeah, I know. But he owns. I think he owns Light Years and the restaurant next oh, to it too. Yeah, really? I saw him in there. Anyway. Anyway. So there you go. It was good to bump into him. You Which actually one? bumped into a couple. Oh, what about this? I said to you, what have you been doing today? He said, oh, whisper, I've just been having a cup of coffee with um, Paddy Rafter. What were you, what, where, where did you and Paddy Rafter hook no, up? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I did not. Put your hand on your heart. Did you say that to me or not? I just be, hey, I'll tell you what you said. The direct quote from you. Just been with Ginge and Paddy Rafter. That's what I've been. That's better. Um, no, I did. <laughs> David Ginge, the former boss at Channel 9. He and was up there. He's great mates with Pat Rafter, who they live up there and train together and do all that sort of stuff. And I went to a coffee shop where they were both at. Right. You were looking for one of the Hemsworth when we went to the coffee shop, weren't you? <laughs> Lucy was. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that place? Because that's where they frequent, don't they? What? That place that we went to. The that coffee, coffee shop? shop. That place that we went to. That's where he goes. He's often photographed outside that place. I didn't know that. You see, you're, you're a bit of a stalker, celebrity. You, are you a bit of a celebrity stalker? When no, you're out and about. No, but I'll tell you what I like to do, and you know that I like to do this. When we interview somebody on radio and we have their number, I always like to follow up with a thank you, yeah. and that establishes a relationship that I have with people because every now and then I just flick through my phone and I think, oh, I haven't spoken to Garrett McNamara for a while. I might just give... Uh, Who's Garrett McNamara? He's the big wave rider. Yeah, that's also the... known as stalking. No, it's not stalking. It is. No, what do you reckon Garrett McNamara is sitting around with all these mates, all these big wave, these big... Wave surf mates, mm -hmm. and, and it, ding ding. And he looks at the phone and goes, 
dickhead Watson from <laughs> Australia again ringing me. I haven't you, spoken who to. Who else have you done it to? I haven't spoken to Dikembo Matumbo for a while. I give him a little call around Christmas. And wish him a happy New Year. The quarterback, your stalk. Uh, the, wine, the wine quarterback? Yes. Okay. Drew Bledslow? Drew Bledslow. I've given him a call occasionally. Think, and people think I'm joking here. You follow him up with a text. In fact, I've uh, I've wiped him because he didn't respond last time <laughs> I sent a text message to him. What about old mate who hosts with Charles Barclay and Shaquille? Uh, yes. Um, I sent him a Merry Christmas message and a Happy New Year as well. He got back to me. Did he? Yeah, he did. Oh. Who's the biggest name you got in your phone there? I'm just looking through my phone now. Uh, We don't have his number in my phone. Did you follow Tiger up? No, I didn't follow Tiger up because we had to go through. Sometimes these big celebrity people, they're too big. They actually don't give you their number. Mm. And you just got to go through one of their advisors or one of their peoples. He's got lots of people. I think we'll do a travel section. That's what we've decided. This is evolving as we go. Each week we'll do a travel. Because I've got more stories from my road trip that I wanted to share with you, but I, sometimes Are I you s- not going to talk about your road trip today? I see your eyes glaze over a bit sometimes when I start talking about my road trip. You know trip. the other thing that I need to edit my contact list in my phone? There's a lot of people that have passed on. Yeah. That is a re- actually, that is true. I've just gone through the numbers here. I'm just looking while you're talking. I think, yeah. God, that person is no longer with us. And there's a lot of people in your Very sad. phone book that you, as you flick through it, you go, why haven't I got rid of them? They've got no role in my life anymore mm. and will never have a role in it again. Mm. Why can't I get rid of them? Well, you can. You can easily get rid of people. You got a few in there, I can see. There's one there within the M's, I see. <laughs> <laughs> MC. Um, all right, right. Then we're not going to do much footy and sport and everything else. Yeah, I must give that bloke a call. I've just noticed Dennis Cometti's number in my phone contact list. I haven't spoken to Dennis for a long time. I must give him a call. In fact, I'll tell you what we'll do. Well, ring him on we'll here. We'll speak to him on him. One of these podcasts one day. Oh, He's a great chat, Dennis. He's a good man. Lovely fellow. Tim, yeah. we won't be doing footy. Do you want to break? We will be doing a little we bit of footy. We don't break. Oh, you can break. You can chop this out later if you want, Brooks. <laughs> we don't know how this works. We're not going to do a heap of footy, in fact, really, unless, <clears throat> excuse me, there's the absolute need to. Now, for whatever reason, I, mm. in the off-season, I was not paying attention to anything, right? That's what happens when you're on a holiday, holidays. Mm. And then all of a sudden, there was a bombardment of news stories about the Essendon drug saga. And it turns out it was 10-year anniversary, so the Herald Sun dived into it. Fair enough. Um, but what I got out of it was this reporting from um, Mark Robinson in this instance about you and your relationship with James Heard, and almost intimating that you were the one who stood in his way of going back to be the coach of the Essendon Football Club. What did you think when you read the article? Did any of it make sense? I'll read something for you. Okay. James Heard and Tim Watson, uh, David Evans, Mark Thompson, many of the four trusts, forged on premierships, played together. Heard and Watson don't speak. Um, Heard put up his hand to coach Essendon. Watson was not a supporter. Tim doesn't believe the players. Um, it goes there about Job and relationship and then it quotes you. I think a lot of people drag back all those things. I have to say I'd be more than surprised if he ended up as a coach. Intimating that you sort of ran a bit of a campaign, if nothing else. Um, the backstory shows the truth of the ill feeling between the pair. I'm reading all this. I've seen you talk to James Hurd yeah. over the journey. What, what? I don't have any ill feeling towards James Hurd. Absolutely none. None. And you and I know, we've spoken about it many times. I've been in his company uh, a number of times. And, you know, we had a 1993 premiership lunch last year. Well, and he I, was there. Not if you read these stories. 
So what do no, you respond you to these stories? There, well, that's, you read those, you think that you and he have got this massive chasm between the two of you. No. And, and there's no chance you're going to talk ever again. No, that's not true. That's not true. We don't have a relationship, though. We're not best mates. We're not best friends. And we were sort of, we were friendlier back in the day. But, yeah, like this whole thing happened yeah. and um, I've reached out to him. I've reached out to Bomber. And, you know, like, and I understand people are moving through this emotionally and mentally in their own time, in their own way. And I respect that, but I'd be only too happy to ever sit down and have a conversation with him. In fact, 1993 premiership reunion will be this year. There'll be a function. We'll cross paths. I hold no ill will towards James. I just, and this is the most difficult thing. And you've been in this situation too, when you have become or have been a teammate of somebody and then you have to make a comment around something that they yeah. might be doing because you now hold a position in the media and you've got to have an opinion on these things. Yeah. My opinion about him being the next captain or sorry, the next coach of this and had nothing to do with whatever happened during that Asada period had nothing to do with that. I just didn't think that he was the right person for this time and the club needed to move forward, which was as simple as that. Did you feel that this article again, it misrepresented you in terms of your, a, your relationship yep. with him and B, the role that you played or otherwise in James not being a candidate for the Essendon coaching job? It did. And I rang the author of that, Mark Robinson. I spoke to him about that, about the fact that he intimated that I ran some sort of campaign behind the scenes. No, I didn't. I didn't ring anybody and voice my opinion about it. Um, I didn't ring David uh, Barham, who is the chairman. I didn't say to him, David, you can't go and you know, appoint James Hood. I had other people ringing me trying to campaign on James' behalf to him being the coach. And I said to them, I didn't think it was the right thing. And they needed to run a process and find the best candidate, which they did, which I thought was the right thing to do. I mean, when you read that story about the fact that, you know, James and Sheeds and others were running this as a fait complete and that that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to insert James as the coach, uh, to me as an Essendon person, I mean, the players and the fans deserve the best coach and the best candidate they could possibly find. So you answered a question on it, on our radio show, which I asked you, which of course we're all, I was always going to do. And you said, in your opinion, um, for whatever reason, mm. um, he'd been out of the game, you yeah. know, maybe had to go back and do it as mm. Michael Voss had done and all that sort of stuff, which was absolutely reasonable. Now you're saying the other people have rung you, not more than one, to campaign on behalf of James, can they intimate that from you? And how strong was your um, your conversations with those people in terms of your non-support for him? Was it just, no, not, you know, I've had what I've had to say on radio, that's where it stands, yeah, or was it yeah. stronger than that? No, that wasn't stronger than that. It was just, I think this is the right thing to do. Eston have embarked upon this process. I believe that that's what they were doing. They already had that committee established that was going to be the interview process that, you know, prospective coaches were going to go through. Um, they wanted somebody with experience. I thought there were a number of candidates out there that had experience that were worth making sure that they interviewed. Brad Scott was one of those. In fact, my opinion was that he was outside our clerks and I thought he was the next best option for Essendon to approach. you got a, and I'm being serious here, you've got a massive, there's a massive weight behind what you say in relation to this football club. Are you aware and cognizant of how much no, I'm not. you can influence people's opinions? No, I'm not. 
I'm not. What, well, that's, there's because a, there's you, a naivety. You lose, you, no, well, there's maybe, a naivety to that. Well, maybe there is, but you lose track of that because when you do radio like you and I do, and we have been doing it for five mornings a week for three hours a day, and then now we're doing it for three mornings a week for three hours a day, you lose, you lose track of what you're saying sometimes, you know, and whether or not I don't ever think, okay, I'm about to say something. This is going to have enormous influence on the Essendon Football Club. I'm always... You cog- don't. No, I'm cognizant of criticism that I level at the club and how I might articulate that. But I'm not thinking, oh, because I'm saying it, this is what people are now going to believe or this is going to influence any decision-making that may be taking place. Right. Well, I would say that's um, there's a a great level of naivety to that for someone who's been in the industry for as long as you have and with the – you know, the position that you hold unofficially within that footy club. Yeah, but that's how you see yourself. Yeah, I know. And you don't want to be – like, it's the same with me. But I, I'm aware – and I don't profess to have any influence at the footy club that I played for, but I'm aware of what I say will you know, resonate because people want to beat it up or they want to turn into yeah. what it is. No, no, I'm aware of the fact that what I say might get reported. But I don't think that I'm influential in making people change their minds about what they might think because it's me saying it. How can you think that? Well, that's the way I think. Well, you're a 307. Yeah, but we're past past players. We're just people that pass through the corridors of our football club and represent our football club for a period of time. We do hold media positions now. And, you know, people may be interested in what we've got to say about our old club, but I don't – if you're asking me, do I think – what I say shifts the needle and influences people into the decision making. But I don't. Right. Do you think Essendon need to move past their want to go back to the past? Yeah. Yeah. Is, they that, do. is that a huge issue for them? Like the I think you know, the hero in this instance yeah. we're talking about James or whether it was Sheeds or Simon Madden, whoever it was, they'll come back and fix the joint. Is there still that mentality there? I think there was in the lead up to possibly the decision that they were going to make by, you know, Kevin and, and, and others around the club. I think there, there was that, you know, like people talking about, you know, we just need to get Essendon people back. And my answer to that was always, no, you don't. You need to always be conscious of the history and the culture of your football club and those that represent your football club. But you always need to make the best decisions for your football club going forward. And they may include Essendon people, but they may not include Essendon people. If you go back and look at the last successful period that Essen had, it was getting Kevin Sheedy, a former Richmond person, into the football club. Yeah. And he changed the, the football club. Yeah. You know, for 27 years, he was the coach. Yeah. So you think they've got it right then? Do you think they're as, as well positioned right now? Kevin's still on the board, Kevin Sheedy, yep. obviously, who – actually, how is that going to work? So Kevin is your footy director or I don't know what his official title is, but when you talk about mm. influential voices at Essendon over the years, none bigger, who has publicly and strongly and vehemently derided the decision to not appoint James Hurd, mm. which by extension is a criticism of the appointment of Brad Scott. How does that work with him on the board and Brad as a coach? Well, I think he can make it work because if he was that influential, then James Herb would be the coach. So clearly he's not that influential. He was just one vote. He's just one vote. He's one vote on the board. So, and you know, you, you, you know what it's like, like there's no, no problem having, um, 
people with different views on a board. I mean, it's a good, healthy thing to have that argy-bargy and that debate and that robust discussion around things. But uh, clearly, he's not the most influential person on the board. Um, I think probably there's been discussions around what he should and shouldn't say publicly because he doesn't represent necessarily – his own views aren't necessarily representative of the and Football Club's board. So he needs to be understanding about but that. But the outside reporting of it – Will always go. Always that way. says that he. It yeah, is. that's right. And that's that, right. Therein yeah. lies. There is a problem there that one they of the challenges. We, you know, they may have to address again at some point in time. So you, you fully expect to see James. So we'll just put a bow on this because yeah. we're not going to keep talking about Essendon and footy forever in this, on this podcast. But you and he, you know, contrary to perhaps what's been reported, are in your own mind anyway, fine, and you expect to put cross paths in. At some stage for this reunion. 100%. And look, I hope, I read somewhere where, you know, like this was sort of like a a nail in the coffin of his relationship with the SM Football Club or whatever. Now, he may have been promised something. I don't know what he was promised by David Barham, right? But if he has, I would say to James, if he has a beef, it's with a person. That person is not the SM Football Club. The SM Football Club, for him really should be his family history with the Essendon Football Club. His grandfather was the president of the Essendon Football Club. His own playing career, all the players he played alongside, the premiership of 1993 that he played in, all the people that he made friends with and was an associate with during that period of time. And then right up until 2000 when he was the premiership captain of that group of players as well. That's that's the Essendon Football Club. That would be the Essendon Football Club for him that he needs to remain connected to. So I would hope that he's forever part of the celebration of our 1993, forever part of the mm. 2000, and remains one of the most revered figures that has ever passed through the corridors of the SM Football Club. I know you said that we're not going to talk a lot about sport and it's not going to be heavy football conversation, mm. but having said that, you've asked me, a lot of questions well, no, I had to clear about that the essence stuff, to clear that which I'm happy to – look, I'm not necessarily happy to talk about no. that, but I'm happy to put it back into some form of perspective as to yes. how this transpired well, and what I'm I really think. Well, I'm glad you did. I thought you articulated it pretty well. Well, others will decide whether I articulated it well or not. But, yeah, uh, a bit naive. But... So, oh, I can be naive. Actually, somebody said that to me when I said that uh, maybe they should go through a process and this person said, well, you are a bit naive. Who so said that? Maybe I am a bit naive. No names. Um, now, the Herald Sun have put out a top 40 power list. It was written by Sammy Landsberg. Okay, so he's named, first of all, he's named Jeff Brown, Collingwood president, as the number one most powerful person in the AFL. Just off the top of your head, your view about that, because he's the new president of Collingwood. You've gone from saying, we're not, you don't expect me to talk seriously. No, no, this. well, I just wanted to know, what, what, what's your reaction to that? Would you have thought that he would have been the number one most powerful person in the AFL? No. Okay. All right. Well, so, one of the, whoever runs the AFL is the most powerful person, isn't it? Well, at the moment, we don't know who well, that, is running the AFL. Yeah. Well, we haven't got anybody in there running it. Well, they've got people running it, but they haven't named a successor yet to Gil McLaughlin. Right. Mm. I want to go to the last page, right up to 40, right? Because these uh, 29 is Tom Petroro, player manager, Paul Bassett, AFL commissioner, Brian Walsh, executive general manager, corporate affairs. Have a look at this. The South Australian Premier is at number 32, Peter Malinowskis. What influence would old uh, Mella? On the well, maybe it's the year because there's the gather round in Adelaide. Maybe he's oh, more he's influential said, than other years. Like maybe this year. Caro, Channel 9 and Age journalist yep. at number three. Very low for her. I thought that maybe she would have been a little bit higher Well, than she's that. not full-time now. Okay. Dustin Martin is at 34. Dave Matthews, 
35. Eddie Betts, 36. Simone Wilkie, an AFL Commissioner, 37. And Gaddy Lyon, Fox footy and SEN expert at 38. So yeah. there's only two lower than you, Peter Gordon, who's a former Western Bulldogs president, and Trevor Nisbet, who's the current oh. West Coast Eagles CEO. That's true. I can. I argue. thought that you were way, way, way too low. You say there's two lower. I could argue there's 682 lower. Well, you could argue that. I can't imagine that you are very happy knowing that there are a number of people um, – Dustin Martin being one of them at 34, who are considered more powerful and more influential than you. Absolutely no argument for me. He's far more powerful than me. In fact, I haven't studied it forensically. No, you haven't. But uh, very surprised that my name's even mentioned. At 38. No, very surprised, (laughs) full stop, that my name is even mentioned. And it's not an aspiration of mine to be on the power list. And probably but when, you we are f- powerful. when we finish this conversation will be the last time I think about it. You sit on the couch. It's a very powerful uh, position. Every Monday night, it's considered to be without um, pumping up your tyres. And I know no. you don't drink your own bathwater. But it's a very, very, no, it's very, very big. That's a footy show. That's it's all a that footy is. show, but it does shape a lot of opinion around the game. I tell you, there is somebody that would be very disappointed with this list, right? What is it? He's my boss. He's my immediate boss at work at Channel 7. Yeah. Lewis Martin is not mentioned in the top 40, right? The Channel 7 CEO, James Warburton, is. He's at number nine. But Lewis is the person that runs the sporting department at seven. I rest my case. Rest my case. And, and spends a lot of time. We Our offices of Channel 7 are right next door to the AFL office. He spends a lot of time in there talking and negotiating stuff on a day-to-day basis. Well, what How ha- his name could not be mentioned in the top 40 is the greatest oversight. The that, greatest oversight. But so, again, uh, I haven't studied this, but so they've gone for James Warburton. So they've gone for the bloke that, that employs Lewis. So they by de- And same with Patrick Delaney. Steve Crawley. But they're not the people that work they, at the coalface. No, but they employ the people who no, make the decisions. Yeah, but why not go with Rupert Murdoch then? Well, that's true. <laughs> he could have gone with Rupert. Why don't I just put Rupert yeah, at number up. one? You wound up because you were not on it. Is that why you wound I, up about No, I, couldn't, this? I could not give I a tinker's cuss about me you, being I not, but I'm could. disappointed. No, because you and I are tied at the hip. We holiday together. <laughs> I cannot believe that you're only considered the number 38th most influential, most important person in the AFL. Um, there's an interesting man at number 16. Number 16. Let's have a look at this. Ah, yes. The new Collingwood CEO, Craig Kelly. I think this might be... Do you think he's going to be a newsmaker in 2023, holding that new position? Could be the most fascinating watch of the year for mine. Um, Why is that? I had dinner with him last uh, on two nights ago, and we discussed it because mm. I hadn't caught, I hadn't seen him. To be, and he rang me as a client of his, yeah. just to put me in the picture to say that he was, he had been approached, and that he was thinking about it. Right, and he was going away. He was heading up the coast for a month over Christmas to think about it, and then rang me. I don't know, a few weeks later to say, yep, he's going to do it. And he said, what do you think? <laughs> Too late. Well, what are, you, what are the challenges? I said, mm. well, the obvious challenge. And you know, Craig. Yeah. He's combustible, isn't he? I think that's a pretty good word, combustible. He's fiercely <laughs> loyal of uh, those that he represents. and A ripper bloke. That goes against him is going to feel the wrath. And now, right. now he's going to be fiercely loyal of his football club. Mm. And his players and his coaches and his members and supporters and sponsors and all that. And he's going to defend all of them. And 
I don't reckon he's got a great, I don't think he's got a great love for the media right. over the journey. No, he doesn't. And the media now would know and be very aware of that. Right. And the, Is he going to be a very public face of the Collingwood Football Club in his new role? Or I not? don't reckon, but that's not going to stop the media from trying it. And they'll bait him and try and get him. And Only if things... No, go off track no, though, Collingwood. So. I, I mean, Collingwood always try and get him at any stage. They're always a newsmaker, but if Collingwood are going well, yeah. and there are no big decisions to make around their coach and stuff like that, there there's not going to be a lot of negativity in the stories around Collingwood. It would only be if something started to happen that was negative. Well, you can always find a negative within a footy club if yeah. you want to look hard enough. I mean, the Melbourne this time last year it was Melbourne and the challenge and, yep. and how that you know, Gary Pert was under pressure and. Um, President, they would have won a won the men's in the last two years. They've won the men's premiership. They've won the VFL premiership, and they've won the AFLW president uh, pre- premiership. Mm. Pretty good club no, for, for someone that was on the front pages of the paper for about three months over not being able to run a footy club and not being united. So anyway, that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I call you Wispy. I'm cognizant of cognizant. I've said mm. that a few times. I'm very aware of time. Mm-hmm. Um, this being a podcast. I call you the Wisp. I, I nicknamed you the Wisp yeah. way back because um, you went from having these. No, th- I never had a full head of hair. Let's be honest. I haven't said anything. I want to get in before you do. <laughs> <laughs> As my boy, childhood hero, I always loved your flowing mane and the long locks. And then over the journey, it just started to thin and thin and thin. And I said, geez, you're a bit wispy. Yeah. And that's how the nickname is. Right. Why didn't you go and get hair, you know, do a hair treatment? Because it's never worried me. Well, why did it worry you? It doesn't worry me. Why not? You're a very public figure. You've got a visual medium every night. Yeah, but I don't have I don't have a big ego and I oh, don't so have those, I don't have a big concern around my appearance like so some people do. And I'm not sensitive about it. That get hair treatments have all got big egos. No, they've got sensitivity e- around that's not the what way you said. I know I didn't say it, but I'm correcting myself <laughs> and because this is a podcast, we'll be taking that out. <laughs> what I'm saying is those that have wispy hair yeah. or go prematurely thin or bald, yeah. will or sometimes have a sensitivity about it. So I applaud anybody that can find a remedy, whether it's rubbing cow dung in your your your, your scalp. Or... I don't think anyone's rubbing cow dung in your <laughs> I don't, that's, that's not a remedy. Whatever it might be, I am happy and sympathetic. I mean, it's empathetic to anybody that might well, do that. you should have done it. Why didn't you do it? It's not too late. Why don't you do it? That's my question. Because about, Joel Selwood... Yeah. One of my favourite, probably top three favourite players of all time. Yeah. Who I didn't even know he was thinning on top. Well, you haven't watched the well, I don't very closely. Then on a wet day. I watched the footy. On know. a wet day. He's, he went and mosh. That's why he always had those bandages on his head. It had nothing to do <laughs> well, with cuts. Dragged all he his was just off. trying to cover up his balding head. He moshed it up. It, mosh is one of the treatments. Yeah. And now he's, he's doing an ad that look, it says, look how thick and her shoot he is. That's right. He's a mosh ambassador. How, why don't you do that then? I don't want to. I don't want to. What if I can get you a deal? I don't want to do. I don't care how much money you might be able to get me to uh, become an ambassador for anybody. Be, I don't want to be that. Well, what's the downside in you having a nice fuller head of hair in your sort of final years? There's no downside I can see. Well, it just changes your appearance. Well, going back to where you were. Well, people <laughs> may be very uncomfortable to turn on the Channel 7 News and see me sitting along... <laughs> Side Mitch looking like so Willie Nelson. Not, you won't be doing a hair. Um, no, I won't be doing treatment. any hair. No, I, I, don't, I don't feel the need for that. But I'm not going to. 
would, I'm not going to denigrate anybody that feels the need to do something like that. You kind of did. You said they're all egomaniacs. No, I said that there's a sensitivity. I mean, it is the number one fear for a lot of young men that they're losing their hair. And I've got to be sensitive about that. Can I just throw this question at you? Because I know we're running out of time today and uh, we might uh, examine it with more depth next time on our podcast. But uh, Nick Revolt, who's a former co-worker of yours on Fox, has turned up on ESPN over there in America. We know that he's taken a year off and he's going to spend the year over there with his family in America. Yes. Has he had some dental work done? That's oh. His teeth looked a lot wider over there in America. Maybe it's the way they travel on the screen via the satellite. Maybe that's it. But has <laughs> he had any dental work since he arrived here? <laughs> what someone reckons? Well, he's maybe, had... maybe we had maybe maybe we've cleaned our TV set. I don't know what it might be, but I I didn't see the coverage with Nick on it. Mm. But no, he he may have given them a an extra clean. Right. <laughs> maybe there's. I've always thought when I've travelled in the states that the toothpaste over maybe there stronger. is stronger and yeah. better than the toothpaste. So much so that when I went there probably in the late 70s on a footy trip, yeah. I bought back half a suitcase of toothpaste with me because I thought that it was much better. He doesn't strike me as a chomper, man. He has had, from memory, had a very nice uh, set of chompers. He'd have, the, he'd have the sheets to do some work if he needed to. Well, he, he hadn't needed to. I think he had nice chompers anyway. Can I just uh, – and just one final thing too, because uh, you've got a little farm let down we're, there. We're going to talk about on this On the peninsula, lot, okay. And the farming side of things because it's an area that we are novices in. Yep. You've got every tool. You've got every tool, every piece of equipment, every motorised vehicle known to mankind. They're all Kubota. I know that. You've got yourself a tractor – you got all the attachments with the tractor. They put on a particular attachment when you bought the tractor. Yep. It's been on there for three years. Why has it now been on there for three years and you haven't changed it? Because I'm still interviewing for an attachment man. <laughs> <laughs> an attachment you don't know. Man. You don't know how to disengage it, do well, you? Part of what this <laughs> podcast is going to be about is to, to, is to get our, our, um, our knowledge, our breadth of the farming knowledge wider so mm. that I can take the attachments on and off. But you're dead right. I have a... A vulture attachment <laughs> that hasn't moved. I was at this. Uh, I was down there the other day, and I went to a dinner with you know, four four other people in the same boat. <laughs> well, one one was a serious so, a serious farmer, and the other three were, were in my category. Right. And then you start. We started comparing um, you know, farm farm stories. Boy, hell! The, Jeremy Clarkson has got series two of his farming. You know, you know that started. Yes. Yes, I've I saw it advertised. I watched it. I'm in the, up to the first right. episode. There are that many Jeremy Clarksons in this world, particularly mm. down that way, mm. of which I put my hand high in the air. Mm. But I'm not the worst. Having listened, is there to worse some, than you? Is having it? listened to some of these people <laughs> try and chainsaw, <laughs> try and move stuff, it is incredible. So we might have a chat about some of that stuff through the course of the year. I've got a man that uh, is going to be, I think, uh, a fine country farming type correspondent for us. He's going to be a contributor. He might be. He might be a regular contributor. Oh. Cowboy's his name. Cowboy? He's a rodeo rider. Well, now he's a farmer. Yeah. He's the bloke that spent three years over there in the States being a rodeo rider. Oh, well, thanks to Kubota, we'll do that. We'll we do can. that each week. Hey, uh, we're off and running. So that's just uh, our first podcast. Uh, as I said, in six to eight weeks' time, it might look, look a lot different to what it does today, but... We're going to take the opportunity to sit down and have a chat about some of the other things that happen that we don't really get an opportunity to talk about. So nice to see you. 
And um, just uh, your last chance. I can ring the mosh man. I can get a nice little sort of endorsement deal. I can have it up and going by the end of today. Not interested. Mm. God, I love the ramble. <laughs>